Hi, Sage. Hi, Danny. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Good. Um, welcome back, everybody. Um, how are you? How are you guys doing? How's your day? How's your week? How's this sunny, beautiful weather if you're from it's D.C.? It's so nice. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. It's supposed to start raining tomorrow all through the weekend. I know. <laughs> I was so excited because, like, of course, the weather is always nice when I'm, like, at the beginning of my work week and then right? at the end of my work week it's always when I want to do things. Totally. It's shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got out in the sun a little bit today. I, everyone, I was late for recording um, because I went out uh, outside, socially distanced, because it was my friend's birthday the other day. So we sat outside and had like a little, we went to food court and picked up food and then like sat outside. Um, so that was really nice. But I was supposed to have the day off today so I could enjoy the weather more. And I have to go to work now. I got called in. Uh, and then I have tomorrow off for real. And Hopefully. it's supposed to be shit. <laughs> so, yeah, not so great. But that's okay. I can, like, look out the window and, like, just shed silent tears. Um, imagining what my life could be. <laughs> um, what about you, Danny? I know you said your your work week mostly is during the weather. But have you gotten out to do anything? Um, honestly, not really. No. Like, today, I, after work, because I work in, like, a... I don't know what you call it, like a community. I don't, I don't fucking know. But there's like a lot of benches and shit outside and like a big open courtyard outside of mm, my work. Mm-hmm. So I sat out there and had coffee with my grandparents for like an hour or so after work. So that was nice. And nice, then good. same thing yesterday. But then yesterday I had to come home and research. <laughs> so I had to do that yesterday. Yeah. yeah. And then it was so cold by the time Nico got home. So I was like, yeah, I don't want to go out. out. Totally. Yeah. It still gets pretty chilly in the evening it's like above zero oh, it's so but cold. it's still cold it was um <laughs> yesterday when i left for work it was two degrees yeah when i left work at midnight last night it was like yeah i think it was two yeah, or three degrees too yeah. i hate that because i'm like every morning when i leave for work i like bring my fat ass jacket because <laughs> i'm so fucking yeah, cold yeah. and then i get out of work and i'm like i have to carry like my massive puffy jacket i'm like cool okay (laughs) i look like an idiot everybody's wearing fucking sweaters (laughs) (laughs) big black fur jacket (laughs) (laughs) it's so cold in the morning everyone's like she doesn't know how to dress for the weather (laughs) it reminds me of being in um it reminds me of being in like middle school when you'd have to like wear oh my god yeah your jacket and a sweater and like a scarf and like boots and pants to school because it's so freaking cold in the morning and then on your lunch you like take off 17 layers then you have to carry it all home on the yeah. way home because the it's worst. too hot yeah i saw this really funny meme the mm-hmm. other day and it was like canadians when it's 10 degrees in october and it's like us wearing like big jackets and scarves <laughs> and it's like canadians when it's 10 degrees in march we're like out there in fucking sweatshirts and like shorts and i'm like yeah just for the season really not the excited weather it, yeah. <laughs> literally yeah yeah well it just rains so much here that as soon as any sort of sun is out we're like yep absolutely yep. this is what's happening up. totally this is, yep shorts no fucks yeah, totally heat on in the car windows down yeah i don't care <laughs> literally that's so funny i on the way driving home windows down heat was on yep. <laughs> um oh, shit. well how how was the rest of your weekend or your week, I guess. It was okay. It was, I, I, it was so shit on the weekend, though. I know. Like, the weather wasn't that nice. I mean, thankfully, I I got to go out for brunch with my grandparents before we went back on lockdown. 
so oh that's good yeah no we're back good. on lockdown and you know what thank you premier hogan for just blaming it on everybody between the age of 20 and 39 did yeah, you see that uh no i didn't I, uh, yeah he literally said that the tw- the age group 20 to 39 is ruining it for the rest of us so you mean like <laughs> so you mean like 90 percent of the population is that what yeah. you're saying yeah. first yeah, apparently of all we're ruining it second of all I'm sorry, but who's who's in high school right now and doesn't have to yeah. wear masks in high school? Mm-hmm. Because well, it's not 20 to 39-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, who gives me the most shit at work when I ask them to wear a mask? Oh. Old people. <laughs> Old people, yeah. You are the For ones real. who are going to die first here. Yeah, I'm... Put your fucking mask For on. Like, are you kidding me? It's like getting to the point right now where... Because it, it really is. It's only old people. I find that it's like ages of like 45 and up that give me shit about yeah. it. Um, And honestly, I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, then don't put on your fucking mask. I'm not going to die. Yeah. I'm not the one who's yeah. going to get COVID and die. Yeah, I'll get COVID. Yeah. I'll recover. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> You're not going to recover from this, are you? Yeah. But there, like I was talking to Nico about that and I was like there's this one man who comes in and he's older he's probably like 70 mm-hmm. and he always 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 is so mad that we don't have seating oh my god like he's so mad he's like when's it gonna be open like when are you gonna have I was like when people are fucking dying yeah. like what do you I don't know when when the pandemic's over yeah. like what <laughs> I don't know how to answer your question also like stop coming in then what yeah go sit outside you dumb bitch also if you're gonna like if you're gonna sit there and like point the finger at everybody else and say it's these people do a proper fucking lockdown do it yeah i dare do it i dare you Mm -hmm. i mean (laughs) i still have to go to work unfortunately but i but would you though yeah we're an essential service we're we are giving out grocery yeah and we are Mm. doing the vaccine now oh um should we quickly say hello yes you do it to mexico Hi, and ireland. Hi, ireland oh my god welcome <laughs> hi guys mexico thanks for stopping by ireland thanks for stopping by um if any of you Irish boys are single give me a shout <laughs> uh, i love the accent i'm a fan you could say i am a fan um no actually though thank you so much for for listening in um yeah. very cool we've got listeners all about all about <laughs> all about the world yeah yeah do we have canadian accents i wonder oh a hundred percent we Cause do like i think that we probably do a little bit but like i don't talk like i don't think that i do but then when i talk to americans and other people they they're like do. oh you do <laughs> like my one friend who's he's from new york he always says it he's like i hear it like i hear the like little he's like there's a hint of a boot he's like you don't say a boot i say like, about sounds I know, but like I guess when I'm talking really fast. Oh, so he maybe. said that we don't say our T's or our D's. That's not true. I mean, I no, we don't. Toronto? Don't. I guess I didn't say a T when I said don't. 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 <laughs> like we do if it's like beginning, but like like look at like when you say like Toronto. Toronto. Like, Toronto. Oh, Toronto. Toronto. It's Toronto. Oh, <laughs> you're right. Oh yeah. no. If it's in the middle, we don't say it. <laughs> well, how do you how do we go? How do we go like major Canadian? I'm I'm going out to the cur. Yeah. I'm gonna go get my cur and go boot town. <laughs> oh, just watch Letter Kenny. Yeah, That's like yeah, honestly like stereotypical. I had to. Canadian I watched some of Letter Kenny. I had to turn it off because I was like, oh god. And then it was so funny because 
<laughs> I watched this one episode of Letterkenny mm-hmm. and they were talking about LA mm-hmm. and they were like LA yeah LA. LA like that's how we say LA and that I was listening to one of our episodes and you and I were talking LA <laughs> and we do it I was like no. I'm mortified <laughs> I'm going to a speech Because we were talking, but we were like, LA? And I was like, why are we saying LA. it like that? Like, we're literally like, it's like one long, weird vowel. Because we're, <laughs> we're not saying uneducated. LA. We're like, LA? LA? Yes, one time it was in LA. Oh my <laughs> I God. I was like, fuck. <laughs> I officially hate oh. us. I officially hate us. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for tuning into that. Um, <laughs> well. <laughs> um,. Well, you know, maybe we should just get into it. What are we doing, honey? Um, today we're gonna be talking about the Green River Killer. Wow! Wow! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I did this one a little different because it was kind of hard okay. to research this one because if you don't know about the Green River Killer, he was at large for like twenty years. Yeah, like a long time. Like too, yeah, far too long. Yeah, so a lot of the stuff that was written about him was written prior to his arrest. Yeah. So I'm not going in chronological order. I'm going a little bit in chronological order, but, like, I'm going to give you the story that they kind of had before they caught him. Then I'm going to give you the story that they had once they caught him. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, because a lot of it, like, one of his, um, his in his plea deal was... Sorry, can you hear my cat? Yeah, I did hear that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Frankie. She's at the door and she's just shouting. She, she doesn't even want to be in here. She'll come in here for a minute and then she'll leave. Oh. She'll like cry at the door in here. So She also can't be in here because she'll eat my Monstera. Frankie, so. you leave that Monstera alone. Don't fucking look at it. Don't even touch yeah, it. Don't Pip even doesn't think touch about it. it. Pip like munches, but he munches like the air around things. Like he doesn't <laughs> actually munch that he just sits there with his eyes closed like munching but he's not eating anything he's just I think like Pip's the leaf is just beside his face i think pip's a little slow yeah <laughs> he's sweet he's though sweet, yes. <laughs> no, sweet. um yeah so one of his um part of his plea deal was that he had to plead guilty and he had to like give them all the information about his killings good suck a dick yeah although um, plea deal that concerns me a little bit but i guess we'll find he is out. in jail forever Good. don't you worry like a dick yeah um so yeah let's let's start start into it all right uh <laughs> start into it start on into it start on into it um, um so what's up is am i correct or incorrect is the green river is the, is he black no no there's one who oh did they Samuel think he Little. was maybe I feel like I watched a documentary on it and they thought he was a black guy for some reason. Um, I might be getting it confused with Sam Little, though. Sam Little was black. Yeah. But I might be getting... Wait, what? Samuel Little was black. Who is the Green River Killer? No, no, no. He's a different serial killer. No, that's what I'm saying. I think I might be getting Samuel Little and the Green River Killer conjoined, like mixed up. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but I could be wrong. I don't know. We'll see. Wasn't it Mindhunter? Um, I think so in season two. Sorry, I'm sending you a Snapchat of fucking Frankie at the door. It's her uh, little feet under. <laughs> She's just grabbing the door. That's all I can see. It's just one, one paw. Um, so Gary Leon Ridgway was born February 18th, 1949 in Salt Lake City, Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, but shortly after he was born, I think he was around the age of one or two. There isn't an exact age. It just said when he was quite young. Mm-hmm. They, him and his family moved to Washington. 
Um, not Washington, D.C. Washington right across the border from us, Washington. <gasps> That's so close. Yeah. I know. <laughs> this also, whole thing. I told my grandma about that. She's like, wasn't that in Seattle? I was like, mm-hmm. Can, can we just take a minute to um, recognize how fucking dumb I am? Why? Up until this moment right now, three you seconds didn't know ago, that. I thought that there was only one Washington. There's Washington City and Washington State, you goober. Yeah, I did. I thought that. I thought that Washington. <laughs> they were the same. Yeah, I thought we. Would were you right. think the White House is <laughs> right across the border? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you think the White House is near fucking Portland? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a cool place. It's like anti-White House area. Yeah. Okay. Now that I think about it, obviously that's not the case. But like I said. Let's take a moment to appreciate how dumb I am. Okay? <laughs> I own up to my dumb shit. Anyways, back At to Seattle, Washington. Washington. Back to Seattle, Washington. Seattle. Yes. Across the border. So, um, their home was located off the Pacific Highway near the Green River, and this is where he deposited a lot of his early victims. Deposited. He was the second of... Deposited. I didn't know what else. <laughs> Threw. <quite> word. <laughs> he deposited the body. He occasionally withdrew them as well. Yeah. It's like a bank. Um, <laughs> the Green River Credit Union. Green River. Gross. Um, so he was the second of three brothers, um, and he was a very reserved child. Um, a lot of his brothers, or a lot of his brothers, he only has two. His brothers, after he was caught, like all said, like he was just a really fucking like average guy. Mm-hmm. Like he was just basic. He was a basic bitch. I feel like that. Like all psycho killers are just like that's the thing yeah. about them is that they're just so painfully so, average. Yeah plain yeah mm-hmm. um so it was believed by investigators that a lot of his hatred towards women stemmed from his mother of course they usually do <laughs> <Classic. Ta-da>! <laughs> <laughs> um so him and his mom had a very complicated relationship it teetered back and forth between him loathing her and feeling sexually attracted to her. <gasps> oh, my God. Freud, yeah. where are you at? <laughs> oh, he's in there. He's, he's yeah. in there. All right. <laughs> um, so family pictures showed her to be a shapely, dark-haired, very attractive woman. Like, his mom was beautiful. She was hot. She was hot. She was a hot um, mama. One thing that I was, like, I was listening to some other podcasts and, like, reading some other articles, and one thing that, like, kind of just rubbed me the wrong way is a lot of people were saying that she, like, dressed really inappropriately. Like, obviously, I don't have pictures, but, like, the things that they were describing is they were, like, she would wear a robe around the house, and, like, she would wear a bikini out in the yard and, like, sunbathe. That's so disgusting. And I'm, like, what? Being comfortable in your own home. Right? Like what the I'm fuck not expecting is that? my kids to sexualize me also. Yeah, sorry that I didn't realize that my child who I pushed out of my vagina wants to fuck me. Yeah. That's gotta say, guys, not on her. Right? Yeah. Um so she worked most of her life as a sales clerk at JCPenney in Seattle. Congrats. Yeah. So um Gary I just almost called him John. <laughs> John Not John. John Ridgway. <laughs> So Gary witnessed an extreme amount of animosity in his home growing up. His parents would constantly fight, and he even once saw his mother smash a plate over his father's <gasps> head at the dinner table. <laughs> this bitch wore the pants in the relationship. She deserved. did not take shit. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> she was often described as domineering and inappropriate. 
He later revealed what does that in mean? interviews. What do you mean inappropriate? Oh, I'll tell you. Oh, okay. It, this this is Thank pretty you, inappropriate. Sorry. I will say this is quite <laughs> inappropriate. Um, so he later revealed in interviews that he wet his bed into his early teens. Cute. Yep. Um, and every time he did, his mother would mock him and make him take a cold bath in which she would bathe him by hand, including his genitals. Okay, that's a bit. All right, ma'am. Uh, All right. Yeah, that's a little much. I mean, well, maybe maybe the clothing thing is inappropriate when taken into context. Yeah, like maybe the rest of the stuff that was happening, like by itself. I mean, like my mom used to wear a bikini in our backyard, and yeah, that wasn't weird because she's our mom. She's your fucking mom. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe um, given the context of everything else, maybe it's a little <laughs> weird. <laughs> yeah. Um. So her comments gave him an inferiority complex and left a lasting impression on him. Like I said, he described his feelings as somewhere between lust and humiliation. <laughs> that, I think there's a little a weird way to kink. describe your mother. Like, yeah, definitely. But I think there's a whole world of kink Oh, that's a humiliation that, kink, man. sir. That's exactly what you're explaining. Yeah, that's... Hmm. All right. Not yeah. from your mom, though. You that's probably shouldn't weird. feel that for your mom. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I am kink shaming right now towards yeah. your mom. <laughs> no mom kinks here. Well, actually, wait. I think that's allowed. <laughs> not with your actual biological mother. Okay. Oh, God. We're not talking about kinks anymore. Okay, yeah, kinks are... We're, it's out. <laughs> we don't kink shame, period. Full stop. That's it. Moving on. Okay. Unless they're um, blood-related to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <sighs> Anyways, moving on. Um, so his humiliation and inferiority complex didn't just lie in the household. It also spilled out into his school life. So he tested with an IQ of 82. Ooh. So he was not a very smart boy. <laughs> and he the, did also... Average, like average I think was like... Yeah, it's in the 100. So 82 is pretty, pretty low. low. <laughs> pretty low. And he also had dyslexia. Um, okay. Yeah, not not a great combination of things. I mean, no. you can have a high IQ and also have dyslexia. I just... Yeah, it, he def- just it definitely doesn't help anything. Help that you got both. Because <laughs> I think that a lot of people too, when you have dyslexia, just assume you're dumb, even though it's yeah. actually like... a a mental thing that is real yeah. and not just you being dumb so i think Literally. it's definitely not a good combo yeah his classmates described him as odd but ultimately just largely forgettable oh no <laughs> that's I that i was worse. like oh <laughs> largely forgettable yeah, like, that's just that's oh. almost worse than being like weird or creepy I read that and I felt so bad because Nico always talks about people we went to high school with and I'm like genuinely I don't remember that person <laughs> like we were going through our yearbook and I was like I'm not a bitch like I swear I, I mean I'm a bitch but like I wasn't a are you though bitch I'm a bitch are yeah, you a though bitch. yeah I think I can be a real dick if I don't like you I'm a bitch I was gonna say we've had some some solid fights and I don't think you've ever been a bitch to me but you like me, I guess, technically. Yeah. Even when you're mad at me, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, but we were, like, looking through the yearbook, and I was like, there's so many of these people. Like, I've never seen these people <laughs> in my life, yeah. and I feel so bad. I'm like, I, Nico's like, you don't remember this person? I was like, no. Like, I've never seen that person before. Well, I just feel like, I mean, I feel like looking at my yearbook, too, I'm a lot of people, I'm just like, yeah, I don't actually remember ever having you? a single interaction with you. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. I just feel like. Am I supposed to remember every single person I went to high school? Yeah, like, true. am I? There's 300 kids there. Am I supposed to remember you all? Yeah. No. Also, I don't care to. <laughs> I'm sure you're all nice, but like, I there's not enough of me to care enough about every single one of you to remember you all. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Does that make me a dick? I don't know. <laughs> 
So this next part's a little funky. I literally funky. couldn't find it's a little funky fresh. Um I couldn't find anything about it, honestly. Like everything just said that it happened, but literally nothing came of it. Cute. So cute. when he was a teenager, uh-huh. um he was sixteen years old and he lured a six year old boy into the woods Not good. and stabbed him With what? through the ribs and punctured <gasps> his liver. The little boy survived, don't worry. Um, according to the victim and Ridgeway himself, he walked away laughing and said, I always wondered what it would be like to kill someone. Oh, my God. But nothing ever came of this. Like, he didn't go to juvie. Nothing. Weak ass bitch. Yeah. So and this was in the court documents oh as well. God. So I, I don't know if I told I, well, I didn't tell you guys, but I told Sage that I found the whole transcription of the court documents. Yeah. Um, super cool. It's 168 pages. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot. Um, but this was in there, and I was like, there's no other information about this? Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. there's just no... Nothing, nothing Literally nothing came of this. So I <laughs> I have no idea why. I don't know why the parents didn't fucking sue. I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah, why, why didn't you... Right? Like, press I mean, I guess this would have been in, what, 66? Yeah, it would have been in 60... So press right? I know. Stabs your Stabs child. your son? What the fuck? Seems, in fact, like the right thing to do. Yeah. One might say. Um, so after graduation, at only 18 years old, Gary Ridgway joined the Navy. This was in 1969. And he married his high school sweetheart, Claudia Barrows. Um, they were 19 when they got married in August of 1970. So not long after their marriage, he was deployed to Vietnam. And upon his return, he discovered that his wife had been having an affair. So as quickly as the marriage started, it ended. Oh, no. Um, the divorce was finalized on January 14th, 1972. He really got out of there. He, oh, he sure fucking did. Don't worry, because he got like, right in with somebody else I know else my worth. Yeah. Um, these were his words. His wife had become a whore oh. while he was overseas. Oh. Um, it should be noted that he also engaged in sexual acts with sex workers while overseas. So, while so. they were married. But she's a fucking whore. You're a whore. Yeah, literally. Gary, you're a whore. Also, you'll come to see this man is a whore. You guys are both whores. Ugh. Don't cheat on your partners, <laughs> even if they're Gary or Joy. Yeah. Um, so in 1971, he started a job as a painter at Kenworth. Um, he worked at Ken- the Kenworth plant located on East Marginal Way South, where he later picked up many of his victims. Um, he continuously worked for Kenworth as a painter and a taper for over 30 years. Um, in fact, he worked here until his arrest on November 30th, 2001. Um, in 1972, he met his second wife, so the same year that he got divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, and in December of 1972, they were married. Same year he got divorced, he got married wow. again. <laughs> yeah. He was like, you know what? I have not given up on love. Mm-hmm. All right. All um, right. So his second wife's name was Marcia Winslow, um, and they did have a son while they were married. Um, and during their marriage, he became a religious fanatic. Ooh. Hardcore, door to door, reading the Bible out loud at work and home, insisting that Marcia follow the church pastor's strict Pre- preaching. Did you just burp? No, I was gonna say priesting. Uh, <laughs> then I realized. Like <laughs> nope, uh, preaching. Mm, love it. <laughs> um, but he also. <laughs> I was gonna say something. Okay, say it. No, just say it. Commit um, to it. I don't know why I wrote this down. He was also a kinky boy. 
God damn it. Um, he would insist that Marcia and him have sex outdoors in an in- inappropriate oh, location. He was kinky boy. He was. Um, according to Marcia, he loved the rush and the risk of potentially getting caught. We all do, Gary. You're not the only one. <laughs> um. <laughs> You're not um, alone, buddy. <laughs> He demanded sex several times a day, um, and he also dabbled in a little bit of bondage. <laughs> just um, a little, just a little. Yeah, I know. Dip. Like for a hardcore religious man, you're wow. Um, <laughs> you're freaky deaky. Yeah. So she stated that Gary would often be gone during the evenings for long periods of time, mm-hmm. sometimes returning home to the house wet or dirty. She said that during their latter years of their marriage, he started coming home later and later without a logical explanation. Even though he seemed to be getting what he desired at home, he still continued to hire sex workers throughout their marriage. Bro. Yeah. He loved slash hated prostitutes. Oh, classic. Um, Classic. Uh, So Marcia, who had a serious weight problem most of her life, decided to have gastric bypass surgery in the late 70s. Um, she quickly lost a lot of weight, and for the first time in her life, men found her really attractive. Um, this made Gary really jealous and insecure, and they began fighting. Good, you, you bitch. Yeah. Fuck you, Gary. Mm-hmm. So, Marcia did have a little bit of an issue with Gary's relationship with his mom. Um, as we said, his mom was, like, super domineering and just inappropriate and yeah. Gary never said anything because he hated slash wanted to fuck his he wanted to hate fuck his mom hate fucking yeah. scary um so <laughs> and she apparently controlled a lot of their spending oh that's not yeah. cute no and made a lot of decisions on what his purchases would be including his clothes so Marcia was not really a fan of this as yeah, um, gotta one say, would not be. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yep. I wouldn't like it either. Yeah. Um, Gary's mom also accused Marcia of not properly taking care of Gary. And, of course, Marcia resented this because, what the fuck? It's not my job to take care of my husband. Yep. Um, since Ridgeway wouldn't defend her, Marcia left on her own, um, complete with her mother-in-law. Marcia, she didn't want anything I gotta to do. say, you made mm-hmm. the right decision, girl. Yeah. You did it. Yep. Um, she reported that Ridgeway, while walking with her in the woods, liked to hide from her and then creep up behind her and frighten her. He liked to practice walking noiselessly. On at least one occasion, and Ridgeway actually was the one who acknowledged this, he choked her using a police-type hold <sighs> with his forearm and his upper arm. Marcia, no, I should say, not that. his mom. Yep. Um, so, obviously, their relationship <laughs> deteriorated and eventually ended, and Ridgeway... And his second wife separated on July of 1980. So this one did last a little longer. It lasted eight years instead of what, two. You know, that's not bad. Yeah. Um, and the divorce was final on May 27th, 1981. Mm-hmm. She did take primary custody of their son, and Ridgeway had custody of their son on every other weekend. Poor so Gary next Ridgeway's son. I know. You, you just fucking wait, dude. <laughs> I was reading this to Nico, and we were both like, what oh the God. fuck? Like, it's fucked. All right. Um, so for the next several years, he had relationships with a number of different women, um, many of whom he met at an organization for single parents called Parents Without Partners. You know what? That's really beautiful. <laughs> parents Without Partners. It sounds like Doctors Without Borders, but... But Parents. <laughs> Single parents. parents. Um, and on November of 1981, 
he purchased a house at 21, sorry, 21859 32nd place, South King County. Um, oh, sorry. Hell yeah, I found the fucking full address for that. Oh, so. yeah, nicely done. <laughs> you want to see Gary Ridgway's old house? That's the address. Um, and in 2000, and, or sorry, in 2003, he admitted that he actually did kill dozens of women at this residence. Ooh. So if you also don't want to see it, I don't blame you. Yeah. Um, I get a pass he, for now. Yeah. So he did get engaged to a woman, and they planned to get married on June of 1984. But the woman actually broke up with him after she met somebody else. Um, and in February of 1985, he met his third wife. This man's got around. He really did. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, if he wasn't such a shit, I'd be almost, like, impressed. Yeah. But he is a so, shit, so I'm not impressed. Yeah. No, not at all. Um, several months later, she moved into his house, and in June of 1988, they were married. Um, although Ridgeway had moved several times, he always stayed in the King County area. Um, yeah, I just think, to me, that's a huge red flag when somebody, like, can't be single. Yeah. Like, when they jump from relationship to relationship. I'm fully calling out my father right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's really, really bad. Yeah. Don't um, do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like... You have to learn to be alone yeah. before you can learn to be with somebody. I was say, like, it doesn't necessarily mean that, like, you're a murderer. Um, no. But it's definitely... It, it's definitely means something. Yeah. Um, ladies and guys, be single for a little bit. It'll change your life. Yeah. Truly. Unless you're me. <laughs> I was single for a year. For one whole year of my entire life. For one life. whole year. But Danny's been yeah. with Nico for 10 years, so yeah. I guess she's the exception to that rule. <laughs> I've been single. <laughs> but I don't jump from relationship to relationship. That's also true. So <laughs> I've been in one relationship. Like I said, exception to every rule. Yeah. One, well, um, one relationship. That's not really an exception. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> so throughout the 1980s and 1990s, Gary Ridgway was believed to have murder, murdered at least 71 women Ugh. near Seattle and Tacoma, Washington. That is approximately 70 too many. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that took a minute for me to compute. I was like, uh. Wait, wait. <laughs> How many women is it okay to murder? Uh. <laughs> Answer is none. <laughs> So um, his court statements later reported that he had killed so many, he actually lost count. (gasps) Yeah, fuck you, Gary. (sighs) Fuck you, Gary. A majority of the murders occurred between 1982 and 1984. So this is in a fucking two-year time span. 70 women in two years? So he was actually only convicted of 48. Oh, is that all? Yeah. I I shouldn't say only. (laughs) No, I'm just... (laughs) Only 48. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, it is only 48 when you consider that it was over 70. Yeah. So. Um, so the victims were either believed to be sex workers, runaways, or just young girls who were picked up along the Pacific Highway South, whom he strangled. Oh. One Most of their bodies were dumped in wooden er- wooded areas around the Green River, except for two confirmed and another two suspected that were found in the Portland, Oregon area. Um, I sent you that map last night. On what? what the fuck? You s- oh, yeah. On Did you text. text Here, let me yeah. just look at it. Um, it's a map of where the 48 women who he was convicted of were found. Um, and it's in a fucking close radius, dude. It's not like When did you send far. it to me? I didn't get Last it. Last night. Oh. I was say, I don't remember getting that, but I'm also a dummy. It's okay. I'll send it to you again. Yeah. Just so you can see. Okay. Because all I got see. from you last night photo-wise was the picture of you. Oh. Because I would like to see that. There you go. Um, 
So the bodies were often left in clusters, sometimes posed, and usually nude. He also would later sometimes return to the victims' bodies and have intercourse with them. Ugh. Yep. This persisted until the bodies were so rotted that they would be covered in maggots that he physically could not have intercourse with them. Disgusting. I actually... That makes me want to vomit. I don't have anything witty or funny to say no. about that because there so is nothing. gross. Yeah. Um, so mo- because most of the bodies were not discovered um, until only the skeleton... The skeleton skeleton hello until only the skeletons remained mm-hmm. four of the victims are actually still unidentified to this day yeah. also um guys i imagine we're gonna post this picture yeah um, but look at how many bodies were found just outside of his fucking house mm-hmm. he wasn't even trying to hide it. no like there's no what is that six seven literally right outside of his house guys. yeah what the fuck oh, man. God. and he was killing them like a lot of them he was killing them at his house like how he was even doing that like I mean, how do you, baffles how do you me get away with that yeah for any amount of time at all literally um so I, i'm sure you guys have heard of this this is a big thing i didn't even i totally forgot that this was him so he occasionally would contaminate the sites where he would dump the bodies with gum cigarettes and materials belonging to other people he didn't chew gum and he oh, didn't smoke shit. so he would do this um to try and to confuse the police yeah. and throw them off i bet it worked oh 100 yeah. percent. because they were like collecting all the fucking evidence but he They're was like, just like man shit. i found this gum on the ground <laughs> i'm just gonna toss it here they were like oh my god this guy's yeah he's leaving so many things out for yeah. us like yeah. yeah so he would leave like gum wrappers like pop bottles cigarette butts but like he didn't and they're from all different people yeah what are the chances of this yep uh so he began each murder by picking up a woman usually a sex worker um he sometimes showed the woman a picture of his son in his wallet to help her trust him Ah. but he was always careful to keep his finger over his name on his driver's license when he was showing them in the case that they escaped they would not know what his name is um, so after having sex with them, Ridgeway would strangle them from behind. He initially strangled them manually. However, many victims inflicted wounds and bruises on his arms while trying to defend themselves. Um, and he was worried that obviously fucking wounds and bruises on his arms would draw attention to him and make him a suspect. As they do. Um, as they do. Yep. So he began using ligatures to strangle the victims. Ugh. Most victims were killed in his home, in his truck, or in a secluded area. Um, the murders were the community's first notice that a serial killer was preying on young women. Four of the five women had been found in a territory covered by the King County Sheriff's, Sheriff's Office, um, the agency that would take responsibility for investigating and solving these murders over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the next several years, more and more murder victims, most of them teenage girls and young women, were found in wooded remote parts of King County. Most were found with no clothing or and no possessions. In many cases, or even... Years after, sorry, in many cases, months or even years had passed since the victim's disappearance, um, and all that the police recovered were skeletal remains. Identification of the victims sometimes took years. Eventually, 49 women were listed as victims of the Green River Killer. The murder spanned a two-year period from 1982 to 1984, so that's confirmed 49 in two years that's literally that that's, that's one every two weeks i was gonna say that's more than one a month yeah that's 
fucking That's one every two weeks. What the fuck, man? And if not more, because that's just 49 confirmed. And he's suspected of 71, and he doesn't even fucking remember how many people he's killed. Mm-hmm. Disgusting. How do you... Um, yeah, I... That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So seven of these victims were listed as missing. Um, nobody had ever been found, and numerous frequently... Um, sorry, and numerous frequently contradictory... Con- con- am I saying that right? Contradictory? Yes. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. <laughs> and numerous frequent contradictory tips flowed in claiming they were still alive. Um, so, yeah, they were getting a lot of conflicting tips about the women. Again, most of them were sex workers, so the police really didn't give a fuck, honestly. Classic. Yeah. Who's surprised? Yeah. So, in the early 80s, the King County Sheriff o- Sheriff's Office formed the Green River Task Force to investigate the murders. Uh, notable members of the task force were Robert Keppel and Dave Richard, um, who periodically interviewed incarcerated serial killer Ted Bundy. So there's a big thing about how people say that Ted Bundy was the one that helped catch the Green River Killer and all this shit. I don't um, think Ted Bundy did fuck no, all for in, anyone. In the court documents, they say a lot of the information that he gave didn't actually help at all. Yeah, it was probably <laughs> like, well, serial killers. Yeah. They, you know, they like to kill more than one person. It's like, yeah. wow, Ed, uh, Ted. Oops. <laughs> Good job. Wow, damn. Ted, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, in 1983, Ridgeway came to the attention of the task force as a result of the disappearance of Marnie Maylar. A man reported that Ridgeway's truck appeared similar to the one to which he had seen Marnie Maylar in in the night she disappeared. However, the man's description of the driver and vehicle were super general. Uh, if you haven't seen Gary Ridgeway, he is... Picture this as if you're listening to this in the 80s. He is a white man. Okay. Small oval glasses. Okay. Brown, clean-cut hair and wow. a mustache. Oh, my God. <laughs> Every man in the 80s. I was say, every, every white man, man in the, in the 80s. 80s. Um, yeah. That's... <laughs> he looks... Re- like, honestly, he looks just like a normal... Like, just a basic dude. He Like, again, like his classmate said, forgettable. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like a forgettable guy. Sounds um, like a forgettable guy. Yeah. Um, but, of course, Ridgeway denied picking her up, and they had no evidence to implicate him in her disappearance. So... They didn't. <laughs> so they didn't. Yeah. Uh, so this was in 83. Keep in mind, he was not caught until 2001. <sighs> yeah. So he was a suspect in 1983. That, I hate it. Yep. I hate it. <laughs> so in the 80s, the task, task force detectives investigated Ridgeway and interviewed him on a couple of occasions. Um, they said he was generally always really cooperative. He admitted to dating prostitutes, um, including at least one of the missing victims. And he admitted to assaulting a prostitute. Rebecca Gard Gway, claiming he did so because she bit him. They appreciated his honesty. And he did a polygraph test, and he passed in the denying of the killing of the women. So they were like, yeah, you, you're good to go. You're free. Mm-hmm. That's it, buddy. Thanks. Yep. On April 8th of 1987, the task force served a search warrant on Bridgeway's residence. Um, his Sorry, on Ridgeway's residence, his work locker, and several vehicles. Detectives seized hundreds of items of evidence, such as carpet fibers, ropes, paint samples, plastic tarps, etc. Um, and all of these were submitted to the Washington State Patrol Crime Laboratory, which compared them to evidence found with the victims. Um, 
none of the evidence collected appeared to link him to any particular scene or any particular victim. Um, however, one item of the evidence seized would prove to be significant later, quite a bit later. Okay. <laughs> um, and that was a saliva. Sa- uh, saliva. Saliva. <laughs> <laughs> that was a saliva sample taken from Ridgeway during the execution of the warrant. Um, so more than 14 years later, in March of 2001, Detective Tom Jensen submitted the biological evidence from several victims to WSPCL for DNA testing. On September 2001, uh, forensic scientist Beverly Himmick, women for the win, analyzed the vaginal swabs from the victim, uh, Marcia Chapman. She discovered that a particular male DNA profile on the swab was consistent with Ridgeway's DNA profile. Himmick also analyzed pubic hairs from victims Opal Mills and discovered that the DNA profile, which matched Ridgeway's, at about the same time, forensic scientist Gene C. Johnson analyzed the vaginal swabbing from victim Carol Christensen. She discovered that the DNA profile obtained a sperm fraction on the vaginal swab, which was consistent with Gary Ridgeway's DNA. She calculated that not one more individual in the entire world, including an identical twin, would exhibit this DNA profile. How? 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 I'm not a scientist. How do you know? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, that was more of a rhetorical question. <laughs> there are seven million people, seven billion people, right? Is it million or billion? How billion. many people do we have? Seven billion people in the world. How do you know? How does he have such specific DNA? Is that everyone? Does well, everyone only? I think the I don't kind understand. of DNA. I don't know. I guess This is so. my dumb question of, of the episode. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know DNA. how DNA works. How? It's like how? a twist. But I do like, want to know. It looks like a ladder that swivels. Yes. Snakes and ladders. So his ladder was like swiveling to the right instead of the left. Maybe that's why he I'm was such kidding. a... <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was real i said that with too much confidence you did i believed I'm not being you serious. no i fully believed you um well that's crazy woman for the win um yeah. good for you girl I support and props mm-hmm. um so this dna linked ridgeway to only one dump site and one lone victim as a result the king's county sheriff sheriff's office made preparations for his arrest the police put together a multi-agents multi-agent task force the green river homicide investigators this was just called task force i'm not even joking <laughs> task that's what force. they called it we're calling it task force all right um, <laughs> yeah how many times can i fucking say task this episode this word is like Many. hurting my throat at least five, five. <laughs> <laughs> um to prepare the case against ridgeway and reviewing the remaining unsolved murders on november 16th 2001 gary ridgeway attempted to pick up an undercover king's county sheriff officer posing as a sex worker on PHS. Suck a dick, Gary. Yep. He was arrested and released later that day. Because that's not... that They weren't even... That wasn't even the people that were looking to fucking arrest him. That was just a fluke yeah. that he picked her up. Ha-ha. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, ironically, when they were... When he was being interviewed at the Kings County Jail during his bookings, he requested that they not contact his wife. Oh. Instead, he stated... You can contact the Green River Task Force. They know me real well. <gasps> Ew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't love that. No. They know me real well. God, yeah. you disgusting I hate human. You. So two weeks later, on November 30th, 2001, police arrested Gary Ridgeway for murder as he left work at the Kenworth plant in Renton. Mm-hmm. On Defe- December, 
On December 5th, okay, 2001, well. <laughs> the Kings County prosecuting attorney charged Ridgeway with four counts of aggravated murder in the first degree for the murders of Carol Christensen, Cynthia Hines, Marcia Chapman, and Opal Mills. In three of the four counts, DNA evidence linked Ridgeway to the victims. The body of Cynthia Hines was discovered within a few feet of two other victims, leaving no doubt that they had the same killer. Within a few feet? That's yeah. Two other victims. What the fuck, He literally man? didn't also, care. Also, he's literally dumping... Like, this is the thing that baffles me. He was dumping the women in the same fucking place all the time, in the same radius. It's not a huge radius. Just keep it paroled. You had 20 years. What? Like, literally, What? Sorry, so that I understand. Mm-hmm. Had they found any bodies there at any point before now? Yes. And they, they had been never finding them back? since 1980 in this vicinity. I have, so I'll, I'll, and they I'll just, read they it at the end. They literally just didn't even. Want- yeah. So I have it at the end. Um, I have a list of all the victims that he was like confirmed killing and when they went missing and when they were found. Okay, well... So, I'll give you that at the end. I would love to hear that because I'm about yeah. to get real angry. Yeah. This is the one case that, like, pisses a lot of people off. Like, it was just literally, like... Lazy. What the fuck, Pure guys? laziness. Like, literally, what the fuck? 20 years, are you joking? Mm-hmm. Um, where was I? The body of Cynthia Hines was discovered within a few feet of two other victims, leaving no doubt that they had the same killer. On April 15, 2002, the Kings County prosecuting attorney provided written notice that he would seek the death penalty. On June 13, 2003, the Kings, I'm not going to say this again, the prosecuting attorney's office and Gary Leon Ridgway entered into an agreement. In exchange for the prosecutor not to seek the death penalty, Ridgway agreed to plead guilty to all murders that he committed in Kings County. He agreed to provide a complete and truthful, candid information concerning the crimes that he had committed in King County and answer all questions during interviews conducted by detectives or the prosecuting attorney. Um, He agreed to disclose the existence and precise location of all unfound, undiscovered remains of victims. (laughs) Oh my god, sorry. Um, My question is, what if you do all that and then he answers everything and then you just go from the death penalty anyways? (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I guess yeah. then no one would ever do a deal with you ever again. Yeah. But. <laughs> so yeah, over I the guess. next several months, detectives of the Green River Task Force interviewed Ridgway extensively. Uh, during each interview, members of the King County prosecution team and lawyers from Ridgway's defense team were present. The task force transported Ridgway through Kings County for the purpose of identifying key locations where he disposed of the victim's remains. He directed investigators to numerous sites where he remembered placing the victims. On each of the excursions, members of the Green River Task Force and security detail, um, as well as representatives from the prosecution and defense team, accompanied Ridgeway. Because of the investigation tactic, four sets of human remains were found and tied to three suspected victims. On November 5th of 2003, in King County Superior Court, Gary Leon Ridgway pled guilty to 48 counts of aggravated murder in the first degree. He is still incarcerated in Washington State Penitentiary in Walla Walla, Washington. Um, So that was just the story prior to his catch. So you want to talk about those interviews? Because it's pretty (laughs) fucked up. Yeah, I'd love to talk about them. It's pretty fucked up. Okay, maybe I wouldn't love to, but I would love Um, to. (laughs) I've got some, like, quotes. 
texts from him and it's not very nice right, i'm gonna so, say probably content warning then yes okay very big content, content warning. warning this like just makes me so angry <laughs> and like just yeah uh, we'll, we'll talk about it after okay. um so ridgeway claimed that his memory of specific victims were poor some of this apparently a consequence of the sheer number of women that he murdered uh, for example, during a period of less than four weeks in the spring of 1983, he killed at least six women. Yeah. Oh, my um, God. But his inability to recall the details of the killings is also the product and symptom of his psychopathic tendencies. Simply put, the women had no meaning to in- as individuals to him. They were victims that existed simply to satisfy his needs. Like, that is literally how he viewed them. Mm. Yep. So he would routinely spend hours before and after work driving through areas that had a lot of sex workers. Um, He referred to these efforts as patrolling. Among the areas he patrolled regularly were the Riverton area, um, the Tukwila area along Pacific Highway South. If you hear me saying PHS, that's Pacific Highway South because I'm going to be saying a lot. A lot of it was PHS. Okay. Um, according to Ridgeway, this is the area where he found most of his victims. So literally just on his drive home from work. <laughs> yeah. Kay. The Kent Day Monet area of PHS, Rainier Valley, Seattle's International District, downtown Seattle, North Seattle along Aurora Avenue, PHS to Federal Way, and one other er- area where he found many of his sex workers was PHS between his house at 218th Street and South 188th Street. Okay. Yeah, so you guys can go there if you want. <laughs> um, he estimated that he picked up and killed around 15 women from that stretch of highway alone. Oh, my God. Um, he would back his truck up onto the parking lot of the 7-Eleven store on PHS where he said he could do, where he said he could watch the traffic so he could see if there were cars coming. The second he had a gap and there weren't a lot of cars and weren't a lot of people and he saw a sex worker, that's when he would make his move. Yeah. Yep. Um... This allowed him to pretend to work on his truck and just fuck around and, like, make it look like... I mean, he's at a gas station. Yeah. Just make it look like, oh, my truck's broken. And then he'd go off, so... Yeah. So he claimed that he only killed street sex workers. Uh, You're not getting kudos for that. I yeah, also, think. what is that... Like... Yeah. As opposed mm-hmm. to someone who has a... I don't know if it's called a brothel, but, like, a brothel? Yeah. So this is what he said. Um, He said, prostitutes were the easiest. I went from having sex with them to just plain killing them. Yeah. Um, I'm referring to them as sex workers when I'm calling them prostitutes. They're his own quote. Yeah. So Ridgeway claimed that he also picked these young women up because he believed that the police would not look as hard for them because they were missing sex workers. Oh, my God. What a concept. He also claimed that they were frequently on the move and it was more difficult for police to determine where and when or how they had been killed unfortunately that yeah is true yeah doesn't mean you shouldn't try though so he denied killing any men and he said because they didn't give no sexual gratification to me okay he appeared indifferent to the race of his victims most of his victims were white women but he also killed african-american women and several asian women he declared i'd much rather have a white but black was fine it's just garbage. Something to screw and kill her and then dump her. No good. Yeah. Most of his victims were in their teens or early adulthood. 
He seemed to prey on the younger women. According to Ridgway, these girls were not adults. Um, they were relatively innocent and less likely to con him than women in their late to mid twenties. What do you mean? On the con other hand, you. Yeah, you're literally. About, you're literally murdering them. Literally, and you're worried about being con? con you. Okay. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, he seemed to suggest that they may have pled more earnestly for their lives. Oh, they, so well, there we go. Yeah. I talked to them before I had sex with them, and she'd say, I've only done this a few times before. I mean, if she's 13 or 14 years old, you figure that's true. If you get someone that's 20 or 25, then she talks the slang and everything they say. I've only done this a few times. They probably got an arrest record, and they're lying. But the young ones stood out more, and they talked when they were dying. Uh, Fuck you, Gary. (laughs) Um, So he made it clear to investigators and prosecutors that Everything he did was carefully planned. Um, Everything was premeditated. Nothing was impulsive. He said, when I get in the truck, I'm driving. I might pick up a woman. I want to be in the mood to kill. I don't have a mood. I I don't get her in the truck and drive down the road and all of a sudden, you know, jump on her and start choking her. No, I have a plan. Ridgway fully committed to killing any woman he could. He said, I always, always had it in mind to kill them. During his most active period, he killed virtually all the prostitutes he could. He said, during the killing spree, there were a few women I didn't for some reason. I didn't kill, but there were few and far between. Kay. This one just made me really upset with everything that's like going on right now. Yeah. Like when I was researching this yesterday, I was like, we're, we haven't even got to the worst part. What? So, really? Yeah. Um... The, it, it comes up. You'll, I'll, I'll let you know when we're there. Okay. Um, so he said during this period that he only slept a couple hours a night and devoted the rest of his free time to hunting for his victims, killing them, and disposing of his, their bodies. Um, That's so He terrifying. was not always able to kill a victim he selected. He invested a considerable amount of time and energy on his victims. That, and he, if he was ultimately unable to murder them, it and the failure would just enrage him and fuel his desire to kill again. He said, I'm really mad at some of them because I didn't get a chance to pick them up. They want too much. They were like, ah, the pimp is following or something. And I'm just, and I'm so just, I just lost one. The next one, I'm going to do everything I can to sweet talk her. I'm going to talk to her to getting in. Then I'm going to kill the bitch, kill the bitch. First one, I didn't get a chance to kill today. I'm going to kill this one. I'm going to strangle her head, strangle her neck so it breaks. Um... I'm struggling to see how it's going to get worse. How does it get worse? You'll see. <laughs> I think... Where is it? I mean, continue the story in the way that you have it written. I'm just saying I, I don't... think it's like two two pages away. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's to how he okay. basically consoled them. That's when it gets worse. <sighs> um, so he developed a number of ruse to gain the confidence of his victims... These methods, although simple, enabled him to continue killing long after the Green R- River killer had reached the street. Um, Ridgway admitted that many of the women he contacted asked him if he was the Green River killer. So Jeez. this is a conversation between him and a detective. So the detective said, did any of them ever ask you if you were the Green River killer? And he said, all the time. They always ask, even the ones I didn't kill. And a lot of them did. The detective said, what did you say? He said, no, I'm not. Do I look like the Green River Killer? And you always say no. And they thought the Green River Killer was some tall guy about six feet, a big, big guy. So six, three, 185 pounds or something like that. Um, 
He estimated that 50 women asked him if he was the Green River Killer. Um, of course, he never told any of them that he well, was. Yeah, of course not. Yeah, although he did admit to telling a couple victims as he strangled them that he oh. was going to kill them. So that, but that was already once he was like fully committed to doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, once it's kind so, of like, well, obviously you are. Yeah. So he offered to become a regular customer to get women to trust him. Uh, he'd lend them his vehicles to get them jobs, feed them, so he didn't have to worry about keeping the promises, he said. He said, they're already dead, and I would talk to her to get her mind off the, basically anything she was nervous about, and think, you know, she thinks, oh, this guy cares, which I didn't. I just wanted to get her in the vehicle and eventually kill her. Even when the conditions were not right for killing a particular woman, for example, the woman had a companion, Ridgway would often give the woman a ride. He considered this investing in his future. Oh, that's fucking gross. Yeah. His methods enabled him to get his victims in a situation where he could kill them without arousing their suspicion. He would offer a sex worker more than she might usually make on a quote-unquote date to get her to go to a remote location with him. After all, he knew he wouldn't actually lose the money. In fact, he might profit off of it if she had any cash on her. So he said, first thing you do, we talk about what I want, how much I'm going to pay, but I know I'm going to kill her. So I agree to whatever she wants because I have the money. When Ridgway planned to kill a woman, he, f- uh, he was faced with having to convince the woman to leave the cab of the truck for the date. Ridgway explained that he would carry a spare tire in the front seat area and claim that there was no room to have sex there. Another way Ridgway would lull his victims into trusting him was by using his son. This is where it gets really bad. I really hate this. <laughs> um, this is where we talked about his son and his ID. So he said, every time I opened up my wallet, there'd be a picture of my son on one side and my ID on the other. And I'd say, here's my ID. Of course, I'd hide my name, flip it over, and here's my son. And they'd see that and lower any big defenses. Because, you know, kids, toys, eight-year-olds. He preferred to kill the women in his home. And when he managed to persuade a woman to come into his house for a date, he said that he would use his son's room as a means for reassuring the woman that he was not dangerous. I hate this so much. (laughs) Sorry, he'd use his son's room? Yeah, so he said they'd look around and everything. They'd get much more secure as they go in. they look in the bedroom. Of course, my son's not there. Um, But they think, hey, this guy has a son. He's not going to hurt anybody. He's got his name written on the door. It's empty. He's got bunk beds in there, and there's toys on the floor. And then they trust me. That's the part I really fucking hated. That's so (sighs) gross. Yeah. So that's as deep as I went into the interviews. There's so much more. Um, Yeah. I I really think that that's about as deep as I need to go for you guys to hear. Yeah, fair. Um, I don't... Yeah. Yeah. But if you guys want to read it, I, I can... I'll put the, I guess I'll put the link in our story or something. I don't know. I don't know how to link things on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can you can put the link, too, in the post or in the story. Yeah. Um, but I have a list of all the women mm-hmm. that they found. So oh, that's good. Wendy Lee Caulfield, she was 16. She went missing July 8th, 1982. She was found July 15th of 1982. Giselle Ann LaVorne, she was 19. Missing July 17, 1982, found September 25th, 1982. Deborah Lynn Bonner, 23, went missing. I'm just going to say this is all in 1982. I'll let you guys know when I switch the year. Okay. Went missing July 25th, found August 12th. Marcia Faye Chapman, 31, went missing August 1st, found August 15th. Opal Charmaine Mills, 16, 
went missing August 12th, found August 15th. Terry Renee Milligan, 16, went missing August 29th, found April 1st. Mary Bridget Meehan went missing September 15th, found November 13th. Deborah Lorraine Etz, 15, went missing September 20th, was found May 30th. Linda Jane Rule, 16, went missing September 26th, was found January 31st. Um, sorry, was found, whoa, sorry, I missed a few years there. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Terry Renee was found in April 1st of 1984. Uh, Mary Meehan was found November 13th of 1983. Deborah Lorraine Etz went missing in 82 and was not found until May 30th of 1988. Uh, Linda Jane Rule went missing September 26th, 1982 and was found January 31st um, of 1983. Denise Darcel Bush was 23, went missing October 8, 1982, was found June in 1985. Shauna Leah Summers was 16, went missing October 9, 1982, was found August 11, 1983. Shirley Marie Sherrill was 18, went missing October 22, 1982, and was found June of 1985. Colleen Renee Brockman, 15, went missing Christmas Eve of 1982, was found May 26, 1984. Alma Ann Smith, 18, went missing March 3rd, 1983, was found April 2nd, 1984. Dolores Laverne Williams, 17, went missing March 14th, 1983, was found March 31st, 1984. Gail Lynn Matthews, 23, went missing April 22nd of 1983, was found September 19th of 1983. Andrea M. Childers, 19, went missing April 14th, 1983, was found October 11th, 1989. <laughs> Gotta catch my breath, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Sandra K. Gabbert, 17, went missing April 17, 1983, was found April 1st, 1984. Kimmy Kai Pitzer went, was 16, went missing April 16, 1983, was found September, or sorry, December 14, 1983. Marie Malvar, 18, um, this is one of the ones that the DNA was linked to her. Mm -hmm. <coughs> um, she went missing April 30th, 83 was found September 29th, 2003. What Holy the fuck, cow. man? That's yeah. 20 years. Yep. Carol Ann Christensen, another one of the ladies who was DNA matched, went missing May 4th of 83, was found on the 8th. Um, Martina Teresa Authorly was 18, went missing May 22nd, was found November 14th, 1984. Cheryl Lee Wims, 18, May 23rd, uh, was found... March 22nd of 84. Yvonne Shelley Ash Ant Ant Antosh, sorry. <laughs> Yvonne Shelley Antosh, 19, went missing May 31st of 83, was found October 15th of 83. Carrie A. Royce, 15, went missing June 2nd, 1983, was found March 10th of 85. Constance El Elizabeth Neon was 19, was found, or went missing June 8th of 1983, was found October 7th of 83. Kelly Marie Ware was 22, went missing July 18th, 83, and was found October 29th of 83. Tina Marie Thompson was 21, went missing July 25th of 83, was found April 20th of 84. April Dawn Buttram was 16, went missing August 23rd, 83, was found August 31st, 2003. Oh. Debbie May, yep. Abernathy was 26, went missing September 5th of 83, was found March 31st of 84. Tracy Ann Winston was 19, went missing September 12th of 83, was found March 27th of 86. 
Maureen Sue Feeney was 19, went missing September 28th of 83, was found May 2nd of 86. Mary Sue Bellow was 25, went missing October 11th of 83, was found October 12th of, 83, of 84. Pammy Avent was 15, went missing October 26th of 83, was found August 16th, 2003. Delise Louise Plager was 22, went missing October 30th of 83, was found February 14th of 84. Kimberly L. Nelson was 21, went missing um, November 1st of 83, was found June 14th of 86. Lisa Yates was 19, went missing December 23rd of 83, was found March 13th of 84. Mary Exeta West was 16, went missing February 6th of 84, was found September 8th of 85. Cindy Ann Smith was 17, went missing March 21st of 84, was found June 27th of 87. Patricia, um, Patricia Michelle Barzak Bar 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 <laughs> went missing. Um, she was 19 and she went missing October 17th of 86 and was found February of 93. Roberta Joseph Hayes was 21, um, was last seen in Portland, Oregon jail on February 7th of 87, was found September 11th of 91. Marta Reeves was 36, um, was last seen between April, or sorry, between March 5th and April 13th of 1990, and was found September 20th of 1990. Patricia Yellowwarb was 38, was last seen January of 98, was found August 6th of 98. An unidentified white female between the age of 12 and 17 died prior to May of 83, and was found March, uh, March 21st, 1984. Another unidentified white female between the ages of 17 and 19, they weren't able to figure out when she died um, or when she went missing, but she was found in April 22nd of 85. An unidentified black female between the age of 18 and 27 was um, passed between 82 and 84 and was found December 30th of 1985. And another unidentified white female between the age of 14 and 18 passed between December um, 1980 to January 1984 and was found January 2nd, 1986. And that's all the ones that he was convicted of. That's a lot of... Yep. That's a lot of women. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm winded! Yeah, no kidding. Um, let me just say from the Silence of the Hague podcast, a massive fuck you to Gary Ridgeway. Yeah. You absolute garbage mm-hmm. human. Fuck. That yeah, that's really that's a lot of that's a lot of uh that's a lot of women. That's mm-hmm. a lot of young women. Yep. Yeah. I think this one like in particular was like really hard for me to research just with like everything that's going on right now. Yeah. Like just reading all of it and like the shit that he was saying, like about like getting women to trust him and I was like these are all things that like are green flags for women today (laughs) yeah like he has a kid he's taking me back to his house and showing me his son's bedroom like yeah this is totally stuff that you'd be like well he's not a he's not gonna murder me yeah well I'm thinking he was also only found in 2001 yeah that's it was only 20 years ago oh my god 2001 was 20 years ago yeah um yeah but that's just it's just crazy 
and it just sucks that it's so like you know he knew exactly what to do he knew Mm -hmm. exactly what to do how are we supposed to defend against people just never trust anyone ever for any reason yeah pretty pretty much honestly man that's rough yeah fuck you gary ridgeway fuck you gary ridgeway you suck you literally suck i think he is let me look it up i don't remember how old he was is he yeah is he dead he is still alive i just couldn't remember i looked it up last night god that's so scary he is 72 ah and yeah, he's at Washington State Penitentiary still. I wonder if he got the COVID vaccine. Oh, they're gonna say, "I wonder if he got COVID." I was like, "I fucking hope." I so. hope he had COVID, but I wonder if he got the COVID vaccine. Are prisoners getting not. the COVID vaccine? I feel like if you, if you're not like a fucking axe murderer, or serial killer, you shouldn't be allowed to get it, or you should be allowed to get it. <laughs> so only yeah. axe murderers and serial killers are getting the, <laughs> the vaccine. The only ones allowed with the vaccine. <laughs> Gary Ridgway is the only one in the entire prison who got the vaccine. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, wow, okay, awesome, love that. Yep. Thank you for doing the research on that one, though, Danny. That was, yeah, yeah, I imagine not the easiest one to do. Not that any of these murderers are, like, particularly easy or fun, Mm -hmm. but that one is really, really rough. I think this one was, like, so bad because, like, he, like, I feel like, the thing with like Ed Kemper is he presented himself like although he kind of like put on this mask of like I'm a normal guy like uh-huh. people who knew him like his mom was like he's fucked up mm-hmm. you know and like his he killed his grandparents when he was really young and he had a record and he was in a like mental there were hospital signs. there were signs yeah and like I know with like Ted Bundy like he kept a lot of his relationships like platonic he never really had like engaged relationships with people but Gary did like that's I mean, I Ted Bundy um, had a, a partner with a kid that he was with for many years, and he was really yeah. But they said that the relationship was strict, like pl- very platonic, was not like a very romantic, loving relationship. When did they say that? The they said that I was reading an article about how the movie like basically misconstrued the relationship between oh, them. Yeah, I mean, I knew the movie probably wasn't a hundred percent accurate, but yeah. Um, like, I've they were definitely in a relationship, but it wasn't, like, a super, like, loving and romantic relationship. Mm, interesting. And, like, the thing with Gary is, like, he had a kid, and he, like, had his kid every other weekend, and he loved his kid, and he had a, a normal job, and he was just, like, a normal fucking mm. guy. Well, that's, like, the Golden Golden Gate or Golden, golden State. State Killer, yeah. yeah. Like, him, too. Had, like, a wife and family. Yeah. And had no How idea. How long did it take for them to catch the Golden State Killer? They just caught him a few years ago. Yeah. I remember listening to that on... Um, oh, my favorite murder. Yeah. yeah. Well, because <laughs> there's a picture of him with one of those stupid fucking headband masks on his court. Like the you know the ones that people wear over their foreheads. It just has a piece of plexiglass like over For your the face. Golden State Killer. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that just what? was not what I was expecting to see. I'm assuming he was in court recently. <laughs> oh my god, I need to find this. Oh, I'll send it to you. Oh my god, so, what? This is not at all when I was looking this up, what I was expecting to see. Oh my god, I just saw it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Um, well, yeah, because. He caught? Um, I don't That's know. That's what I was trying to find. Only a few years ago, because. And um, Karen Kilgareth. Karen Kilgareth is or was really good friends with. Michelle McNamara, who basically yeah. caught him. 
Yeah. Which yeah, he was only caught three years ago. Yeah. So three years ago, he would have been 72. What the yeah. fuck? Mm-hmm. I hate that. Like, ugh. It's awful. It's literally awful. Guys, go watch I'll Be Gone in the Dark. It's a really good documentary. It's sad. It'll make you cry, but it's good. Wow. <sighs> that sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, at least, you know, at least he's caught and he's in jail for the rest yeah. of his life. There's no way that fucker is going to get parole. No. So, at least we have that. Yep. Um, well... Should we do Time for a fucking happy? A happy, yeah, no kidding. Do you have a happy or do you have some dumb bitch sauce? <laughs> I have a a happy. Nice. Um, although, all right, guys. Before I get into my happy, nobody get all up in arms about. Oh, don't tell me how to live my life and what my diet is. So let's just stop that. Let's stop that right at the door. Okay, I'm just talking about my happy. You don't have to be happy about it, but I am. Um, so, as you guys may or may not know, there's a new documentary on Netflix called oh. Seaspiracy. Okay. I knew this was going to be <laughs> I fucking knew it. It's, I was thinking earlier, I was like, I bet this bitch is going to do Seaspiracy. It's, yeah, it's so, I'm, you know, I'm not even sorry. Guys, it's so good. And I am literally begging you all to watch it. I don't care how you feel about eating meat. I don't care how you feel about climate change. I literally do not care. I am begging you to watch this documentary. Um, it is so, so important. I knew our oceans were in trouble. I had no idea where we actually were. Yeah, um, it's pretty fucking bad. It's, uh, like, it's disgusting. Like, I, I actually, I was, from the minute it started, I was crying. To the minute it ended, I was crying. I am in shock i mean we're talking about killing 97 98 99 percent um of the fish in our ocean yeah we're talking about not having any fish in our ocean within the next uh 29 years by 2050 mm-hmm. um it's nuts please please i'm begging you to watch it um Sorry, I know I'm getting like a little bit aggressive and preachy here, but I have I've I've texted everyone. I texted Danny. I've texted um, my friend Jen. I've texted my mom. I've literally I've messaged everyone I know. And I've said, please watch this movie. I text my grandparents on your behalf. Thank oh, oh thank you so much. <laughs> um, it's honestly so good. It's so important. Um, so that is not my happy because it's a sad thing. Um, but that it's context for my happy. <laughs> Um, so I was watching it, and my dad came into the room about halfway through while I was crying, um, and I he was I think he was wanting to know why the fuck I was sobbing at the TV. Um, so he sat down and watched the second half of it, um, and basically was like, "Well, what are we supposed to do about this?" And the answer is stop. Spoiler alert: basically, eating seafood is is really harmful to the ocean. Surprise, um, but. Not the point. Point is, after that, we watched another documentary. Um, if you guys, you guys probably heard it. it's one of the biggest ones. We watched Game oh, Changers. God, Game Changers. Oh, I've never heard it. Oh, it's really good, Danny. You should watch it. It's not about animal cruelty. It's not about factory farming. I thought you were going to talk about the Cove. Fuck oh, I've that. seen the movie. Yeah, I've seen that. God, that movie makes me sob. Yeah, well, the Cove, the that part of that, like 
a little bit of that is in the documentary. They talk about that. They go uh, there. And um, so they talk about that a little bit, but it's not a big portion of it. The, I think the reason Seaspiracy is so good is because it's so accessible and not judgmental. Um, yeah. Like, it talks about, like, the guy going through it, he's like, I went through all of the things to try and help. He's like, I literally used to call businesses and be like, why are you selling straws? They're killing sea turtles. Um, and then he, so he talks about that um, and how he kind of left that. And then he talks about um, how he used to think that, like, whaling was the number one biggest threat to our oceans. And so he used to to go against that and then how he got out of that. So it literally goes through kind of all the stages that I think that most people go through where they're like, well, I'm not going to have straws anymore. Well, I'm going to sign some petitions. Um, mm -hmm. And he, he talks about how effective that is versus how effective other things are. So I, I think it's just a really – because it shows it – doesn't, it doesn't come off, at least from my perspective, like – like holier than thou you know just giving you insight on all the branches exactly yeah so it's so good please watch it um but anyways we watch game changers um which is another really good one especially because i know a lot of people get really defensive as soon as they hear anything you know about animal cruelty or factory farming yeah, we're not the fucking vegan teacher over here okay? mm -hmm. um although well okay i'm not gonna get into it <laughs> um but the point is i know everyone as soon as you mention that, well, I don't want to watch that. It's like, okay, whatever, sure, fine. But Game Changers is literally just talking about nutrition. Um, and it's talking about nutrition from a science perspective. Um, well, I mean, I guess that's the only perspective you can talk to for, uh, from nutrition. Um, but it's, and it talks about, like, athletes. And it talks about the benefits of meat. And it talks about the benefits of, of, of plant-based diets. Um, and how it helps with cholesterol and blood pressure and it does a bunch of studies of like even just going on a plant-based diet for one week and what that can do for you um even i'm not like even if you don't like i told my brother to watch it i'm not telling my brother to go vegan i'm it's just something that's really interesting and, and it gives you a lot of insights into your body um so this is a long-winded build-up <laughs> to basically my dad watched that with me and he said to me um before the end of the the documentary he says Sage, let's do uh, one month. Let's do the month of April. We're not going to eat any meat. So, I mean, I'm oh. vegetarian. Yeah, I've been vegetarian for a long time now. I'd say going on maybe three three years. I know I took a little break. I'm not going to talk about that on the podcast. So I will say, okay, like speaking on that, you don't sound... I mm -hmm. watched a really good video about how it's not about as long as you're putting in the effort like this girl is vegan and she was saying she's mm -hmm. like you know what like i understand yeah. it's not easy she's like if you need to take breaks she's like that's fine that's fine the point mm -hmm. is is that you're trying the point is is that you're making an effort mm -hmm. so she's like as long as you're making yeah. that effort that's fine she's like people like she's like uh, like some people might damn you and be like make you feel like a bad person mm -hmm. she's like but you're not a bad person everybody needs like it's not always accessible yeah. for everybody and sometimes mm -hmm. you're going through a really rough patch and like whether it's money that's a factor your mental health that's a factor time that's a factor mm -hmm. she's like i get that like because you always yeah. want to have a healthy relationship with food anywho yes <laughs> danny your turn do you have a happy uh, or do you have a dumb bitch juice i have a happy but mine's much more short-winded than yours okay well we all know i love to talk <laughs> i made cold brew hey <laughs> <laughs> i made it yesterday and it was ready today how was it? So I had some when I got home from work and it was freaking delicious. Although I was really upset because 
So they've just been turning. I, they're doing work on the water pipes and water mains around my house. Lame. But, like, I wish they would tell me if they're going to turn off the water. <laughs> yeah. they've just been turning it off. So, like, yesterday I got home from work and I, like, I had, um, I had soup and I, like, dumped the rest of it down the drain. And then I went to turn the drain on to, like, rinse it and, like, <laughs> and, just, and I was like, uh, and even at home, he's like, what the fuck is this in the sink? I was like, they turned the water off. My soup. Because I just dumped it in, so there was, like, soup everywhere yeah. in the sink. And I was like, I was just going to rinse it down the sink, but. No. Okay. Um, like, but, yeah. You're in the shower. You're washing your hair. I was literally soapy. about to hop in the shower, and I, like, turned the thing on. I was like, hello? What the fuck? I was like, Good where's my I water? Yeah. yeah, shit. Um, but yeah, I had, thankfully I have a jug of water in my fridge that I fill up every night. So I use that to dilute my cold brew. I love that. Um, is it really like an overnight process? Uh, well I did it the way I do it at work. Oh, okay. So like we brew it at room temperature for 20 hours. Oh, wow. So I did that, but then it's like a concentrate and you dilute it 50% with water. Okay. So then I just, I had my water in the fridge, so I poured that in, and I had some before we recorded, and it was freaking delish. Wow, I have for you. I've been getting interested in cold brew, so I might hit you up for... It's really nice, because it's, like, not really, like, strong. Like, it's, like, kind of, it's sweeter, because, like, you're not, like, burning the coffee when you... Oh, that makes sense. Brew it. Like, that's why it's, like, sweeter and smoother, yeah. Interesting. So it's not as, like, bitter. All right. All right. I'll enjoy it. I give you a bag of coffee also don't buy it thank you yeah i will not be buying coffee (laughs) um all right holy fuck this was a long one this was a long one um although i guess we did go off into a tangent about weddings at the beginning yeah so to be fair um yeah so danny where can they find us uh, you can find us on Instagram at Silence of the Hags. You can also mm-hmm. email us at silenceofthehags at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can listen to us wherever you're listening right now, or you can hit us up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor Breaker, or you can just click the link tree in our bio on Instagram, and it's got everything Brandy you'll everywhere. ever need and more. Mm-hmm. Precisely. Um, all right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week. Right, Thank you.